0: Blog Talk Radio Welcome to Spiritual Insights with Charlotte Spicer Spirituality and Metaphysics
1: Talk Radio Featuring A Course in Miracles Dream Interpretation
0: Guided Meditation And the Psychic and Metaphysics Free-for-All it's your opportunity to consult with a professional psychic medium. Discuss past lives, the chakras, and more. We are non-denominational, and there are no limits. Want to change your life? You must first change your mind. 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 No matter your religious structure, cultivate peace in your reality through self-awareness with an authentic spiritual teacher. And now, your host, Charlotte Spicer.
1: Welcome to Spiritual Insights, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us from wherever you are in the United States and around the world. Today we focus on A Course in Miracles in our virtual class format. Today we focus on the Course in Miracles in our virtual class format with Robert Rosenthal, MD. In these segments, Dr. Bob and I break down specific sections and offer our interpretations to help you gain a deeper understanding of the concept of the course. If you're new to the show, Dr. Bob is the co-president of the Foundation for Inner Peace, the authorized publisher of A Course in Miracles, having served on the foundation's board of directors since 1992. He was a practicing psychiatrist and psychotherapist for 32 years before retiring to take on this position. He was introduced to the Course in 1975 at the age of 20 by Judy Scutch and became a close friend and protege of the Course's co-scribe, Dr. Bill Setford. Dr. Bob is the author of From Nevermind to Evermind, Transforming the Self to Embrace Miracles, and this is the first of a five-book series on the principles of A Course in Miracles, and also From Plagues to Miracles, The Transformational Journey of Exodus, From the Slavery of Ego to the Promised Land of Spirit. To read excerpts and purchase from Nevermind to Evermind or from Blake's Miracles, visit drbob author.com, and that is spelled D R B O B author.com. To learn more about and purchase A Course in Miracles, visit A C I M, as in miracles, dot org. And to review the archives of our virtual classes and all of the other segments that we offer on the show, visit spiritualinsightsradio.com. Your comments are welcome. Well, today we are picking up where we left off, and we're also starting a new chapter or a new section of Chapter 17, which is Section 5, The Healed Relationship, and this is an exciting topic for me, given all that we've talked about on the show, and I'm excited to get into it, but first, let me welcome Dr. Bob back to the show. Hello, Dr. Bob.
0: Hello, Char. How are you?
1: I'm okay. Are you all right?
0: Yeah, yeah. Am I coming through um, clearly? Because I'm on a yeah, different you're... kind of a setup today than usual.
1: Oh, you are? Okay. Um, yeah, it sounds okay.
0: Yeah, I, I unfortunately had to go to a speakerphone. Uh, it's a long story.
1: <laughs> okay. So, okay. There, there's a bit of a difference, but it's not too bad.
0: Okay. Okay. So well, I'm yeah. saying,
1: yeah. Well, welcome back. Good to be with you again, thank
0: you. thank you. same, same. And I'm sorry for the technical glitches, but those are the times we live in uh, unfortunately,
1: oh, yeah, it's Mercury retrograde. <laughs> <laughs> is you it know?
0: really uh, oh okay. yeah, remember I hundred. remember I
1: said in my email last night, barring Mercury retrograde, hopefully all will go well, but it's okay.
0: yeah, well, we'll factor that in.
1: <laughs> well, no worries because I'm taping privately, so I can just clean this up. the. So anyway, I was uh, saying in my introduction that I was excited about this section because um, we, don't, we don't often talk about the other segments on the show. You know, none of us really do, because we're all so busy. But what's come up lately is that there are a lot of shifts taking place. Um, there is an energy coming to the planet that hasn't, and this hasn't happened since the time of Atlantis, and it's very powerful, naturally, and so there's going to be a lot of, let's say, disturbances you know, for people so that they can open up more. Part of what occurs with that is that um, we're in an age of authenticity and transparency, so a lot of things might be coming to light, and on a personal level, there are things about ourselves that may no, no longer serve us, and so those aspects especially if they are part of a mask that we wear, have to fall away. And Mm. so with all of that, and then combined with the astrological uh, events for this month, which is July 2019, if you're listening to this in the future, uh, we have two new moons, two eclipses, Mercury retrograde, and a number of other uh, alignments, which uh, some are favorable and some are a bit disruptive. To use that word again and so it's an opportunity to bring things up from inside us to really examine and look at and um, make a choice do I try to continue with this carrying this burden so to speak or do I want to heal what needs to be healed and go from there and so that ties in beautifully with this section
0: Yeah, I mean, for me, this section is kind of um, a continuation and a bridge on the whole idea of the holy relationship. And, um, I mean, we'll, when we get into it, we'll, we'll talk about it more, of course. Mm-hmm. But in this particular section, I really hear the voice of Jesus talking directly to uh, Helen Shuckman and Bill Thetford about their relationship. And, and in that sense, you know, we might, we have to always have to be careful when we're comparing ourselves with anyone else. That said, the advice that they're being given here I think is quite generalizable to just about all of us. Mm -hmm. So uh, we can read it, you know, with that in mind. Um, But yeah, you're right. It's this, this section is about call it, what did they call it? Creative disruption or something like that. You know, that when, when something gets, uh, turned upside down because it has to, if it's going to start to work, Uh, that's what this section is about.
1: Right. And another reason I wanted to um, preface uh, this class with that is because as a result of, of those disturbances, people may come to a point where they realize a relationship that they're in, no matter what kind of relationship that is, may not be sustainable. So, for anybody who listens to all the other segments and is now listening to this, if you're in a relationship and you're experiencing turbulence and you're wondering if it's sustainable or not, perhaps as you get into this text, you can ask for that holy instant and if you want to remain in that relationship, perhaps it, it can be transformed. That's my um that would be my hope for everybody, but what will be will be. Yeah,
0: you know? I've always in in my psychotherapy work as well as spiritual work when we make a deep commitment to change in a relationship one of two things is going to happen either the other person is going to start to change too um, mainly because you know our perception of them is a reflection of what's in our own mind or it's just not going to work and they're going to leave but that leaving it takes place without the the pain and suffering that often comes from a relationship splitting up.
1: Mm. So, so what do you mean by leaving without splitting up?
0: Do you mean? Um, no, no, um, no. It's it's a leave. In other words, if 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 you make a commitment to change and the other person just isn't there, the relationship will fall apart. Um, right. But uh, I'm, i I just had uh, an example of this happen where someone had reached out to me, Um, they'd heard a webinar I'd given on relationship, and they said, um, you know, uh, I listened to your webinar, and I broke up with my girlfriend the next day, and we kind of, you know, went back and forth with a few emails, and I made the point that, you know, his reasons for breaking up were really pretty much fear-based and ego-based, And he said, yeah, you're right, and he went back into the relationship with a new sense of commitment, not necessarily to the relationship, but to their mutual spiritual paths. and a day later, the woman broke up with him, because with that kind of commitment, that wasn't where she was, but but it now was not his fault, he didn't feel guilt, Um, he could see who they were and where they were very clearly, so the parting of ways... Not that it was easy, but it was a lot easier than it otherwise would have been.
1: Huh. That's an interesting chain of events.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well and I've seen this, you know, in, in my couples' therapy work uh, you know, in the past where where you know, someone's having an affair and, you know, and then they decide, I really want to work on my marriage, but it turns out their partner really isn't there and they discover that he or she has been having their own affair or that, that he or she is just done and not able to work on it. So it, it's kind of this creative disruption where either things start to really shift and move in a direction that's for the better or the relationship doesn't work. But that's different, and we'll see when we read this section, and we may not even get to that part of it today, that's different than going, oh, this relationship, I'm dedicating it to holiness, but now it doesn't give me what I want, so I better go looking somewhere else to get what I want. That's a big hmm. switch by ego. Right.
1: Well, I'm hoping we can at least get to uh, paragraph six.
0: If we uh, could. Well, we
1: we'll try. <laughs> What's that? We'll try? I said, we
0: can only try.
1: We can only try. I know. Let's listen to us. Anyway, it would be ideal if we could get to paragraph six. So before we begin, I normally like to just stick with the section I'm in. Um, I don't bounce around too much, but I did find something, and I want to emphasize that. And to the listeners who do listen to uh, other segments, in particular the energetic healing segments, You've heard me use the phrase right work for uh, people who call in saying they're having trouble either in their job or finding a job. And so I I set the goal in the healing work to help them release blocks so that they can find right work. And I call it that because I aligned it with, like, right-mindedness, right? And so as we read this section, I want to bring your attention to uh, right-mindedness. Because right-mindedness is aligned with truth, and wrong-mindedness is steeped in perception, and that's some of what we're going to be getting into today. So if you would like to read up on that, you can check out Chapter 4, Section 2, Illusions of the Ego. So that's some extra reading if you're interested. Mm. But yeah, I love this section. I I love every
0: section. Yeah, me too. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i kind of forgotten about this one, and when I started reading it, it was like, oh, yeah, this. I remember where it said this. This is good. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: So um, do you have any talks coming up? Are you giving any uh,
0: talks? Um, really I will be, this? um I don't have anything – yes, well, actually, I do. We are planning a webinar um, with my – co-president partner Tam Morgan, which will be pretty much pure question and answer, and I think that's on June 30th. We haven't sent out the announcements yet, but if you um, monitor the Foundation for Inner Peace website at ACIM.org, as you gave earlier, um, it should be posted there. I will be involved in something called the presenter series that comes from the teachers of God foundation. We're actually taping it, um, tomorrow, but it won't be released and made to the public until April, believe it or not,
1: but it's a good
0: series. They have some good teachers there and, um, and, and, and mine will be on living forgiveness as a path to intimacy and, uh, wholeness, um, or something like that. Uh, my main energy is going into completing uh, a book where I have a deadline coming up faster than I'd like. So so I'm going to suspend all talks other than those until that book is turned in.
1: Yeah, that's a good idea. I couldn't imagine – well, I could. I've done it. But uh, it must be very frustrating to want to put your best into a project knowing that there's a deadline, like a cloud over your head. It's a lot of pressure. I am not um, be very comfortable with that deadline.
0: Yeah. Well, maybe next month we'll uh, suspend. We'll have to see how well I'm doing.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. Yes. Uh let's talk about that. Alrighty. Do you want to jump uh, jump into this section?
0: Sure. Why not?
1: All right. Okay. Well, you wanna why don't you start off with paragraph one?
0: Will do, sure, thank you. So this is um The text of A Course in Miracles, Chapter 17, Section 5, The Healed Relationship, Paragraph 1. The holy relationship is the expression of the holy instant in living in this world. Like everything about salvation, the holy instant is a practical device, witnessed to by its results. The holy instant never fails. The experience of it is always felt yet without expression it is not remembered. The holy relationship is a constant reminder of the experience in which the relationship became what it is. And as the unholy relationship is a continuing hymn of hate in praise of its maker, so is the holy relationship a happy song of praise to the redeemer of relationships. So that that's a little convoluted and twisted if you're just listening to it. Uh, easier to follow if you're reading it. But let's, yeah. let, let's take a look at what this first paragraph is saying. So the holy relationship is the expression of the holy instant in living in this world, and that idea of expression is important. The holy instant is a moment where time is suspended, and we talked about this in our, in our last segment and probably the one before that too, when we were describing the Course's section on the two pictures, where the holy instant is a portal, really, um, it's an opening in your mind in which the world of perception doesn't necessarily disappear, but really reveals itself as completely illusionary. And what is real comes through instead. So the holy relationship is an expression of the holy instant. What does that mean? It means that you've taken a relationship and instead of pursuing, all of the special goals that the ego has, which are almost uniformly going to be motivated by fear at the deepest level, instead of that kind of relationship, we turn around and we dedicate it to the path of holiness. We want to see only holiness in the other person, in our partner, uh, because we recognize that in doing that, we get to glimpse holiness in ourselves. Uh, Why is this so? Because the Course tells us that they are us. We're all broken aspects of the one Son of God. So how else can you recognize it in yourself without recognizing it in the reflection of yourself that is another person? It's just not possible. Um, Quick sidebar, this is where A Course in Miracles is a very, very different path than many spiritual systems which emphasize the enlightenment of the individual self. The Course says there is no individual self. That's part of the ego's illusion, convincing you that you're a body with a personality and your own unique history, all of which I talk about in the very first chapter of From Nevermind to Evermind. So the holy relationship is something very, very different in which we get to discover, learn, remember who and what we really are by seeing it reflected in what we thought was another person but what turns out to be Um, a fellow aspect of the oneness of God. So what this is saying is um, the Holy instant is a practical device. What does that mean? None of this course is theoretical. I've heard so many people over the years say, oh, the course is so intellectual. That's an ego defense. Pardon me, that's crap. That's your ego saying, oh, I don't want to put in the work to learn it, or it's too hard, or I don't understand it. Well, the ego is going to do everything it can to keep you from understanding it. There is no other spiritual system that I'm aware of that has 361 workbook lessons for every day of the year, because the last five are the same. Um, How practical is that? You know, it doesn't get any more practical than that. So what this paragraph says is the course is practical. It's about applying its teachings, and when we apply them, and only when we apply them do we see and learn that that they work. Otherwise this this, te- this teaching system would seem insane. So the holy relationship is how we remember the holy instant, how we apply it, how we experience it um, when we're not actually in it all the time. Um, it's almost like you have the holy instant and and, and, and that has allowed you to rededicate your intimate relationship, or non-intimate, actually. It, it's allowed you to rededicate any relationship to the Holy Spirit and his purpose of holiness. And when you do that, the whole thing changes, as we'll see. That last line, um, as, as the unholy relationship is a continuing hymn of hate in praise of its maker, um, that sounds pretty harsh. But when we get down to looking at what the ego does, it actually is harsh. So this is saying the unholy relationship praises the ego. It's a hymn sung in praise of separation. It keeps us separate. We have maybe our agendas line up for a while, but, you know, we really are all about trying to get what we need from the other person. And in return, we feel that they ask something of us, and we have to make a sacrifice. um, And sometimes that sacrifice feels like it's worth it, and other times it really doesn't, and we get mad, and on and on and on. But it reinforces the notion that we are separate, whereas the holy relationship gradually begins to show you that you're both walking together, um, walking to the tune of a song that comes not from your own minds or your own separateness, but from the Holy Spirit, and it becomes a happy song of praise to the redeemer of relationships. Okay, I'm going to be quiet there and turn it over to you, Sharp.
1: Well, to be honest... Uh, anything I would have said? Uh, you said in a, in in a close manner to how I would have said it. But I with everything you just said, I don't feel that there's anything I can add to it to make it more complete. It's complete in and of itself, honestly. Wow. So. <laughs>
0: Thank you. Well, our minds no. are joined.
1: That 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 flows. That flows. That was great. No, there's nothing I can add. Mm-mm. So,
0: I All guess we right, move on to done.
1: paragraph two. <laughs> yeah. Alrighty. Uh Before we go into this, let me see. No, I'm just going to read it. Okay. Paragraph two. The holy relationship, a major step toward the perception of the real world. Let me start over. The holy relationship, a major step toward the perception of the real world, is learned. It is the old, unholy relationship transformed and seen anew. The holy relationship is a phenomenal teaching accomplishment. In all its aspects, as it begins, develops, and becomes accomplished, it represents the reversal of the unholy relationship. Be comforted in this. The only difficult phase is the beginning. For here, the goal of the relationship is abruptly shifted to the exact opposite of what it is. This is the first result of offering the relationship to the Holy Spirit to use for his purposes. Okay. This first sentence is rather loaded, so I want to go a little deeper in, and I'm going to refer to the section I was mentioning before we got started, Chapter 4, Section 2, The Illusions of the Ego, because this is extremely um, – it gives you an idea of what they're saying about it's a major step towards perception of the real world. So we're in the world. We can look around this and say, okay, we're in this world. But the goal is to see the, what the real world is beyond the illusory aspects of it and how do you do that. So it's about perception. So that's what I'm going to zero in on in this sentence is perception and now what it says in Chapter 4 about that so that you get an idea a little deeper of what this is all saying. So it says in paragraph 10, this is chapter 4, section 2, paragraph 10. Salvation is nothing more than right-mindedness, which is not the one-mindedness of the Holy Spirit, but which must be achieved before one-mindedness is restored. Right-mindedness leads to the next step automatically, because right perception is uniformly without a and therefore wrong-mindedness is obliterated. The ego cannot survive without judgment and is laid aside accordingly. The mind, then, has only one direction in which it can move. Its direction is always automatic because it cannot but be dictated by the thought system to which it adheres. Paragraph 11 goes on to say, It cannot be emphasized too often that correcting perception is merely a temporary expedient. It is necessary only because misperception is a block to knowledge while accurate perception is a stepping stone towards it. The whole value of right perception lies in the inevitable realization that all perception is unnecessary. This removes the block entirely. So that's what I wanted to emphasize, so that when we go into this sentence, you kind of have the backstory, if that makes sense. So we're talking about the perception of the real world. So we're talking about getting into the proper perception of it, While all perception is unnecessary, we have to use something. But if we recognize the truth of the world we're living in, then we're learning. So they're saying, uh, Jesus is saying, it's a major step towards true perception, and that has to be learned. It is the old unholy relationship transformed and seen anew. So you get to see a relationship that is fraught with misperceiving the other person, perhaps their goals, perhaps do you think you're on the same page? There's some kind of discord between you. Maybe you understand where it comes from. Maybe it's something that just vibrates beneath the surface, but there's something that is not in alignment. And so you experience turbulence. But when the unholy relationship transforms and attain anew through true perception, through through truth, then you are starting to see it for what it is And Um, The holy relationship is a phenomenal teaching accomplishment because look at the enormity of what you've learned about relationship and about spirit, because when you do look at that reflection of yourself, your partner, your coworker, when you go beyond the individualized uh, aspects of that person and you see that spark of light within them, that's a huge step. And that's a major accomplishment, okay? So in moving on, in all its aspects, as it begins, develops, and becomes accomplished, it represents the reversal of the, of the unholy relationship. So in that holy instant that we were talking about in the first paragraph, we have that holy instant where we offer that relationship up to the Holy Spirit. He accepts it immediately, knowing what it already is. And he helps transform it. And then when you dedicate yourself to seeing it in that new light and it starts to play out moment by moment as a continuation of that holy instant, then that's where you see the transformation. Then when you look back at the relationship, you can see what was really wrong with it because now you can see what's really right about it, okay, what's really uh, loving and holy about it, okay? So be comforted in, in this. The only difficult phase is the beginning. Why? Because it's new and it's scary, okay? For here, the goal of the relationship is abruptly shifted to the exact opposite of what it was. Any abrupt shift is going to be jarring. And so when it comes closest to your heart in terms of an intimate relationship, a personal relationship with your partner, to experience an abrupt shift of any kind would be startling, to say the very least. And so in this context, uh, where we're let's say we are all witnessing somebody else, another couple, not our own relationships, because that's a little too close right now, but let's look at another couple we know and imagine that they have a holy instant, and that they have this abrupt shift in their relationship and how turbulent and scary that must be, and we would certainly feel for them, um, but if we know the bigger picture of why that's occurring, we know the beauty of it. So the goal of the relationship goes through a shift to the opposite of what it once meant to the couple. It goes from a special goal to a holy goal. The special goal would only have anything to do with things that are in 3D. Okay? So a holy goal would have everything to do with love and truth and spirit. Okay? So this is the first result of offering the relationship to the Holy Spirit to use for his purposes. So his purposes are to show you the truth of the relationship in the first place. And so when you offer that up, he accepts it. You have your holy instant. Then you rededicate. You can then see the transformation. It doesn't always mean the relationship has to end. However, if both partners are willing and capable, sometimes people just aren't capable in that moment. Perhaps there's something more they need to learn. Perhaps there's something they need to experience. There's so many factors that go into a relationship on planet Earth. But if, if you can both step into that light and see the relationship through new eyes, after it's been transformed and you see it in new as it says in uh, sentence two, then you're closer, a huge step closer, toward perceiving the world as it is as it says in the first sentence. I know I took the long way around that, but that first sentence it had too much meat on it for me to put the rib down and walk away. Over to you, Bob.
0: All right. Yeah, no, I think I think you, you nailed it. Uh, and that first sentence, you know, a major step toward the perception of the real world, uh, that, that does kind of wrap the whole thing. Um, so I don't have a lot to add here. I just would want to emphasize that – I would like to emphasize the emphasis on perception, that the section you read from Chapter 4 talked about, you know, correction of perception being necessary. And here we say the holy – it says the holy relationship is the old unholy relationship transformed and seen anew. And I'm going to underline seen anew. In other words, you're seeing it in a new way. You're seeing it as if you hadn't seen it before. You're allowing the Holy Spirit to show you his vision of it. Now, this sometimes shows up as discovering something else about the other person that you hadn't known that allows you to suspend your judgments or go, wow, now I get it, and now I can love them far more deeply, but... At its deepest level, it means that you're seeing them for who and what they are, which is nothing less than the son of God, the child of God, which is exactly what you are. That's what I was talking about in the first paragraph. So that shift in perception is um, it, its the key. And, you know, uh, in the Manual for Teachers, the course talks about healing as a shift in perception, in the section in um, part two of the workbook where it asks what is a miracle? You know, a miracle corrects perception which was inverted before. We could say that the main purpose of A Course in Miracles and its teachings on forgiveness is to learn how to see the world, see our our fellow brothers and sisters with right-minded, corrected perception so that we can undo all of the ego's judgments and illusions. And once we undo them, we see clearly. And this is what the introduction to the course tells us. You know, it says this course does not aim to teach the meaning of love, for that is your natural inheritance. It aims to remove the blocks to the awareness of love's presence. So here we are again talking about how to remove those blocks this time in the context of a relationship that was a special relationship serving the ego and that is now a holy relationship um, serving the interests of God, God's one son, and the Holy Spirit, whose job it is to bring us back to that awareness. Okay, that's all I got. Amen. <laughs> Should I go? Or do you want to – did I no, spark some ideas no, for you? No,
1: I'm fine. Just keep going. That
0: was great. Perfect. So paragraph three, this invitation is accepted immediately and the Holy Spirit wastes no time in introducing the practical results of asking him to enter. At once, his goal replaces yours. This is accomplished very rapidly, but it makes the relationship seem disturbed, disjunctive, and even quite distressing. The reason is quite clear. For the relationship as it is out of line with its own goal and clearly unsuited to the purpose that has been accepted for it. In its unholy condition, your goal was all that seemed to give it meaning. Now it seems to make no sense. Many relationships have been broken off at this point and the pursuit of the old goal reestablished in another relationship. For once the unholy relationship has accepted the goal of holiness, it can never again be what it was. Now, when I read that last line, it can never again be what it was. I still have enough ego going on in me that there's a part of me that goes, oh, like, like that's a loss. Like, you know, we're losing the specialness and all the pain and suffering that go with it. You know, um, how tragic, because the ego really does see the special relationship, as, um, as the Course says, as one of its main weapons for keeping heaven away from us. But what this paragraph tells me is that when you change your mind, when you give even a little bit of willingness to the Holy Spirit's agenda, because you recognize that it's the only one that will work, it's the only one that will lead you to true, abiding happiness, when you decide, I'm going to make that change, everything else necessarily has to change. And this is pretty topsy-turvy. You know, so um, if you were working with someone to make a bunch of money and all of a sudden your goal is, no, you know, I want to serve spirit and I I want this relationship to be about a higher goal. Well, everything about that relationship is going to change. If your relationship was probably was heavily based in sexuality, and that's what kept drawing you together again and again and again, and mm-hmm. you both or one of you gets to the place where you're dedicating it to um, holiness, clearly something's going to change. So um, what this is saying is that the moment that you accept the Holy Spirit into your relationship, as Helen Schuckman and Bill Thetford did. Before the course even came about, and I'll say something about that in a moment, everything about the relationship has to change. Um, But this is not – this is very rarely welcome. It feels extremely discombobulating because we still see the relationship in terms of its old structure. You know, we're still meeting for specialness, to make money, to have sex, to do things together that – that we can put on our Facebook page and get lots of likes for, um, that we can impress people with, what have you. And now all of that goes out the window. So the question that the course tells us to ask over and over, what is it for, comes to the forefront, and we realize that the only thing this relationship can be for is holiness. And and that, as I said, is is very discombobulating and can even seem like a loss. And what the Course is telling us and will warn us in paragraph 7, which we probably won't get to today, is don't get fooled by this. Don't feel like, well, you know, this relationship is holy, so I think I'll go find this somewhere else. I mean, I've worked with people who were sex love addicts, where when they were able to accept that in a relationship and realize, oh, I, I can't be this way with this person anymore, I can't be romantically over in love to the point where I'm losing my own sense of self, I, I can't just um, make it all about the physical body, that, okay, they can't do it in that relationship, and the ego takes them and they start looking for it somewhere else. Um you know, that's basically addiction and um, and as I've said many times and wrote in from plagues to miracles, we are all ego addicts. You know, this is this is what we think is going to make us happy, and we have to hit bottom and recognize nope, there is no happiness there before we're willing to make that change. So this paragraph is talking about what happens when you make that change. It's accepted instantly, snap, just like that. But it still has to integrate And that does not always um, feel comfortable for us. And I guess in a way, it is a bit like hitting bottom and say, you know, going to an AA meeting and deciding, this is serious. I am committing myself entirely to this. The moment you do that, your whole life, which was centered around drinking and, and how to do that and, you know, all the clever schemes and the lies that went with it, all of that goes out the window. But that's where you were living. I I remember one guy I used to work with who was an alcoholic who actually rigged it up so he could drink while driving by taking the windshield wiper fluid in his car, emptying it out, putting um, vodka or gin in there instead, and rerouting the tube from the windshield uh, inside the car under the dashboard so that he could drink, but it wouldn't look like he had any bottles in there. That is an extreme manipulation of reality to serve um, an ego goal, and if you are now serving holiness, that's the sort of thing that no longer works. Um, that's crazy. I, think I said everything that that comes to me about this, so I'll turn it over to you. Wow,
1: I'm um, number one, I'm appalled. Uh, <laughs> yes, that is extreme. My goodness. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Um, My main point to emphasize is that the unfamiliar is scary, and that's why the ego would be uh, shocked into action to uh, either try to keep the relationship the way it is, or break it off and go get that main ingredient in another person, okay? And I agree with you, that would be a form of addiction. So, the unfamiliar is scary, but if you're committed to finding peace, that's the goal here, that you can be in the relationship in its true form, in its original goal, which should be holy, um, and really want to reach that, that point, that pinnacle, um, then you have to hold on. You have to hold on to the handlebars and experience the turbulence, but be conscious of it and be, and be an expert observer of what's coming up, what's, what seems to be breaking apart so that it can come together in a better picture since we're moving away from the section about the two pictures. So if we look at that, the one picture seems beautiful, but the frame is uh, charred and and scarred and terrible. So then as you transform the relationship into the, the better picture where the frame doesn't matter, it's the content that matters, not the form. If that truly is your goal, then you can move through any type of transformation, which can be painful, no doubt about it. It can be painful. It can be upsetting. But when you reach the top of the mountain, there's a sense that some will get and perhaps other other people may not get it. And that's a, a distinction between the way some people's egos work. And the distinction is, when you get to the top of the mountain, for some people, I'll use, uh, uh, let me use astrology as a, as a prop here. For people like Capricorn, who like to plan and they're step-by-step and step in they're in their plotting up the mountain, when they reach the top, they get a sense of satisfaction, a sense of peace, and a sense of accomplishment. That's how some people might approach this in terms of relationship. But for others when they get to the top of the mountain, it's very quiet. And to them, they might perceive it as boring. So what we're really looking at here, as I interpret it, is we can go from the struggle of a special relationship, which is very exciting to the ego, to the peace of the holy relationship, which can seem very boring. Does that make sense?
0: Yes, it does.
1: And so it would be, I would think that there would be a moment in someone's mind, if they read this, absorb it, and attempt to apply it, that they might have to pause and say, is this what I really want? Because the excitement of the special relationship with all of its struggles, ups and downs, and perhaps even, like, sexual tension, and things that make a, a new relationship exciting. Or even a seasoned I mean, relationship, those those things that are in place that keep it uh, lively. Some people might think that a, a very peaceful, holy relationship would be rather boring, and, and they would experience loss like you said. It can, never be, it can never again be what it was, but maybe that's what the ego is, is most strongly want. So it would take practice in relinquishing how the ego holds you in um, perpetual struggle and really want to accept the goal of the Holy Spirit so that you can really experience that sense of spirit in the relationship. Anything
0: you want to uh, pile on there, uh, Dr. Bow? I was just going to jump in and say that um, we think of boredom as sort of the absence of emotion, but boredom is an emotion and it's a negative emotion. It doesn't feel good. It really is about a certain degree of distress, and I think you said it exactly right. It's, um, it, it's, it's kind of the way we judge the absence of stress, distress, and a high. And if you are an addict, anything that is not a high feels like it's not worth pursuing. Uh, it can be judged as boring. But, you know, we can't live our lives on roller coasters, um, or You know, it, it, the ups and downs eventually will crash you, and that's what most addicts eventually find. And so, once again, as ego addicts, yes, it's very tempting to say, oh, the peace of God, who wants that? Here we are in this exciting world. Well, yeah, and you can play Russian roulette, too, and that's uh, apparently very exciting, but the end result is death. Um, and, you know, and that's where the ego always wants to take us, to, because to the ego – death is the ultimate proof that, that you've triumphed over God. See, look, I died. Except that, as anyone listening to this show probably understands, death really isn't an end. Your body's gone, but your body wasn't you. And now you're going to you know, need to do all of that uh, regrouping and figure out what the lessons are you need uh, to learn and come in all over again. So boredom... You know, I I tell people, be aware of boredom and flag it the same way you would anger or depression. Um, It's an emotion that needs to be brought into awareness and seen not as neutral but as negative. And then, okay, what is this about? Where is this coming from? And let me give it to the Holy Spirit so that I can move beyond it.
1: Right on. A couple things. um, Talking about boredom, I like to equate it with fatigue. When you indulge or uh, experience some too much of any one thing, anything under the sun, whether it's um, alcohol, since you're talking about that, too much alcohol, and you're going to have a hangover. Hangover is fatigue from the body trying to metabolize it, right? Mm. And so, in a relationship with its exciting ups and downs and um, surprises, uh, fires to put out, problems to solve, uh, make up, you know, break-up to make-up and all those um, aspects of that relationship journey, eventually you can become very fatigued by it all. And you get to a point where Helen and Bill got. It. There's got to be a better way. This is the better way. And... It You uh, reminded me of what I read in Section 4, and it's funny because it says exactly what you said. Um, you may ask, and, and I'm still in Paragraph 11 in Chapter 4, Section 2. You may ask how this is possible as long as you appear to be living in this world. That is a reasonable question. You must be careful, however, that you really understand it. Who is the you, quote-unquote, who are living in this world? Spirit is immortal, and immortality is a constant state. It is as true now as it ever was or ever will be, because it implies no change at all. It's not a continuum, nor is it understood by being compared to an opposite. Knowledge never involves comparison. Comparison. That is its main difference from everything else the mind can grasp. And so, to what you were saying, who are you anyway, living in this world? And we can't know. What will make us happy? What's best for us? Right. Our creator does. Because we are, you know, yes, we're all the same, but we're all individuated aspects of the creator with an ego added that gives you all of your hopes, fears, attachments, and um, uh, expectations. So, you know, to follow up what you had said, which now I'm starting to forget, (laughs) <laughs> nope. Just that boredom is fatigue, and that you know, what this section said that you know, who who is the you that is living in this world? Oh, death. You said you know, Russian roulette, Russian roulette, and I know somebody who uh, died playing that, mm. and the and the end result is death. But it takes us back to, you know, death is not a finality. Yes, it's the it's the body ceases to operate but death is merely a transformation. And so in talking about transforming your relationship, you can't see the, the turbulence or the change as you pursue the new goal of holiness as loss or death. It's merely transformation to something more pure. That was, that was my main point.
0: Well, yeah, good, good. Um, I mean, really, that is the key question. What are we? We forgot, and uh, we need to remember And we can remember through relationship, which is what this section and really the vast majority of the course is all about.
1: And that's what relationship is for. Yep. To remember God, you know. Even those with strangers. If if we're of service to strangers, that's still a relationship. And we're still making our contribution. To the holiness of, of the Creator, because we recognize in that stranger, in that homeless person, that they are they are us, and that that compassion is—I'll reference paragraph one—the happy song of praise to the Redeemer of relationships. They are not separate from us; they're not even really strangers. We're mm. just unfamiliar with their faith. Right. That's all.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if we come from the ego, everyone's a stranger, even your most intimate, because there are just too many things about them you don't really know. If we mm-hmm. come from the place spirit, there are no strangers, because we're all we're all aspects of the same oneness. Um, Absolutely. Sorry I don't to remember where four, we are now. But it seemed appropriate.
1: <laughs> we're at uh, paragraph four.
0: Okay, so that's you. I know.
1: It's <laughs> too much fun. <laughs> 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 oh my goodness. Okay. So I'll I'll go on to read paragraph four then. Okay. Okay. The temptation of the ego becomes extremely intense with this shift in goals, for the relationship has not as yet been changed sufficiently to make its former goal completely without attraction and its structure is quote unquote threatened by the recognition of its inappropriateness for the meeting for meeting its new purpose. The conflict between the goal and the structure of the relationship is so apparent that they cannot coexist. Yet now the goal will not be changed. Set firmly in the unholy relationship, there is no course except to change the relationship to fit the goal. Until this happy solution is seen and accepted as the only way out of the conflict, the relationship may seem to be severely strained. And this basically reinforces everything we've been talking about. That abrupt shift in goal creates the turbulence, okay? Picture flying in an airplane. Now you're experiencing all this turbulence, um, and you think, well, fly the plane in a different direction, and it'll smooth out. You can't. So what this is saying, let me go back. The relationship has not yet been changed, has yet been changed sufficiently to make its former goal completely without attraction. Okay, so you still want what you're familiar with, as I was saying before. Unfamiliarity is frightening. And so it's kind of like you're better off with the devil you know than the devil you don't know. It's that frightening Mm -hmm. that even though it might be dysfunctional or toxic, the relationship you have now, or even mildly, um, mildly dysfunctional, it's still what you know. And to say that you're willing to jump off a cliff into something you had no idea what to expect, most people uh, would not be willing to do that. So it hasn't changed sufficiently um, for you to say, oh, I see it now. I'm willing to let that go. Yes, I see. but you can't, you, at this point, you have nothing to compare it to. Okay? We were talking about comparison. Okay? And then... The structure, its structure is threatened, quote-unquote, and and the quotes are around it, because that's our perception. We perceive that the the structure is threatened, but it's really not. It's just transforming, okay? And, again, we see transformation and change as loss and death, okay? Uh, Threatened by the recognition of its inappropriateness for meeting its new purpose. So that's where the mind starts to realize that if, our relationship has a new purpose. Then we start to realize how the old goal won't fit into that construct. Okay, the conflict between the goal and the structure of the relationship is so apparent that they co- that they cannot coexist. They they don't go together. It won't work. Okay. So if you have a new goal, then everything around it has to change to meet that new purpose. Yet now the goal will not be changed. Set firmly in the unholy relationship, there is no course except to change the relationship to fit the goal. So, in the unholy relationship, I think that's what it's saying. Let me go back. Yet now the goal will not be changed. Set firmly in the unholy relationship, there is no course except to change the relationship to fit the goal. Right. So, in the unholy relationship, it can't work unless you change it to fit the goal. Until this happy solution is seen and accepted as the only way out of the conflict relationship may seem to be severely strained. So you're going to continue to experience turbulence and strain as long as you try to keep the relationship as it is with a new goal as its purpose. It can't work. And you also, you know, can't keep the old goal and try to make changes to imitate a whole relationship. How would you even begin? So that's what I get from this as a reinforcement to everything we've been saying this entire segment.
0: Yeah, um, I think it's pretty straightforward. The only thing mm-hmm. I would add, um, I don't get to talk about my first book, From Plagues to Miracles, very much anymore. But this is exactly what the chapter on the wilderness was all about. Um, mm-hmm. We emerged from slavery. We crossed the Red Sea. That is the change that the Course is talking about here in in your relationship from special to holy, Um, there's no going back that red sea closes after you cross it but Mm -hmm. your mindset is still that of a slave it's still very much influenced by the ego and maybe even completely controlled by the ego so um, you know for those not familiar with the story of exodus the hebrew people are freed from slavery in egypt and what do they do they start regretting their freedom and wishing they were back in Egypt where they had all this great food and life was so wonderful, which, of course, is complete nonsense and a fantasy. But that's what the ego has us living off of, is fantasies. I mean, the special relationship, and and we read about this when we did uh, and discussed this when we talked about um, Chapter 16, Um, the special relationship is all fantasy. And, in fact, this is why the more you know, when it starts with that rush of uh, egoic, addictive high, it's unsustainable because that's pure fantasy. And the more uh, the people get to know each other, they either have to break it off because the fantasy is unsustainable, or they eventually move into, you know, the desire for a holy relationship, which is the only thing that is truly sustainable. But I just wanted to get that little bit in that this is, uh, this is exactly that experience of the wilderness that, that I was uh, writing about.
1: Yeah. Everybody who has books should go back and read that. It really hits home. And I know, you know, I want to kind of comfort everybody. This seems to be asking a lot of us, okay? So if in whatever type of relationship you feel that might need to be transformed from a special one that is uh, problematic, okay, to a holy relationship, whether it's a coworker, and that's a great example. I've seen people transform um, relationships with coworkers uh, over years in an instant once they kind of get this. And they see that person for who they really are, not the, the attitudes and behaviors that are projected onto the receiver. And so this might seem very sudden and shocking and, Um, frightening to everybody to even consider and to even, you know, want to think about, like, is that what I really want? Um, It might seem too fast, but before anyone listening to this gets any ideas in their head about how they can probably accomplish this, only do it kind of on their own terms, let's read paragraph five.
0: Sounds good. Will do. Okay. Paragraph five. It would not be kinder to shift the goal more slowly for the contrast would be obscured and the ego given time to reinterpret each slow step according to its liking. Only a radical shift in purpose could induce a complete change of mind about what the whole relationship is for. As this change develops and is finally accomplished, it grows increasingly beneficent and joyous. But at the beginning, the situation is experienced as very precarious. A relationship undertaken by two individuals for their unholy purposes suddenly has holiness for its goal. As these two contemplate their relationship from the point of view of this new purpose, they are inevitably appalled. Their perception of the relationship may even become quite disorganized. And yet, the former organization of their perception no longer serves the purpose they have agreed to meet. So this is just another way of stating what we've been stating all along, that once the decision for holiness is made, the relationship is given a different purpose and its old structure no longer works, no longer serves, and that's very uncomfortable. What this paragraph introduces is just a further refinement uh, or explanation that it's important that the relationships seem to change pretty abruptly, because if it were done more gradually and more slowly, we wouldn't notice the contrast. Now, the ego loves contrast, but the Course also tells us that the Holy Spirit can only teach by contrast. Um, this is something that the uh, Abraham Hicks Channel also likes to emphasize. Uh, You know, Abraham's always asking, so are you enjoying contrast? Are you appreciating contrast? Why? Because contrast gives us the power to see the choice in stark terms. And the Course tells us that the power of decision is our one remaining freedom as prisoners of this world, of this illusion. You know, we're, we're lost in the illusion, but we always have the power of choice. Now, there are two kinds of choices. There's false choice, which is a choice between two things that are equally uh, untrue and part of the illusion. Um, you know, do I want the money or do I want the drugs? Mm, that's tough, um, you know. Or mm-hmm. we can choose between truth and illusion. So the contrast, when seen clearly, helps us to learn. Ooh, that was painful. Oh, this feels like it's moving in a direction of peace. Well it's pretty clear which I want. Um, and it's pretty clear which I was doing before. So all this this adds this paragraph um, is the idea that you know, don't bother cursing out the Holy Spirit for making that change so fast and uncomfortable. That's, that's really what it's supposed to be, and that that serves your learning purposes because it shows you very um, directly, how much that old relationship did not work. Um, you know, their perception of the relationship may even become quite disorganized. It has to be disorganized because the old organization served the purpose of the ego. So it has to be disorganized in order to realign and fall back in place with um, the Holy Spirit's goal. So um, that's what I get from that one.
1: Absolutely. Let's talk about structures. Let's talk about it in terms of a building. Okay, so the building is a structure for, for this relationship that you want to transform. But in order to transform it, there first has to be a phase of deconstruction. It's going to be disorganized, okay? It's, it's going to look very strange. It's not going to look put together. It's going to look like everything's falling apart. You're taking it apart, and even if you try to be organized about it, that would be an attempt to, again, slow down that abrupt shift. Okay? So this is something that you just need to keep walking and, and keep going, knowing that by the time um, the show is over on HGTV, the house might be all broken apart, but it's going to be beautiful in the end and functional. That's the most important thing. It'll be functional. You can You can be at peace in it and feel safe and know that, there is holiness that you're abiding in, you know? What I think is beautiful about the way this section is laid out is that if, there, if you're at a point in your life right now, if you're listening to this in real time, if you're at a point in your life right now where you're listening to us uh, and listening to uh, what was said in other segments, that if there are relationships in your life that are begging to be transformed and you're considering this. At least this section kind of lays it out to show you what to expect. It can't it cannot give specifics to your personal relationship, but it, it lays it out step by step. There's an abrupt shift. Then there's this uh, phase of uh, swift transformation, okay? Mostly, you'll hear me say that transformation is gradual. In this case, with a holy instant, especially with the Holy Spirit running things, it's going to be swift, okay, because it needs to provide two things for you to compare. It, it almost sets it up to where you let your ego do the comparison. Do I want it the way it was or now with this new structure, does this not feel better? And so I like the way this lays it out, that you can, you can understand that there is going to be a time of growth, and growth can be very uncomfortable. Like I like to say, no form of growth on this this planet is not accompanied by some level of discomfort. Now, depending on um, the healthiness of your relationship, perhaps it won't be so bad. But if it's really dysfunctional and unholy and special, and you want that radical transformation, then you're probably going to be a little dizzy by the time it's over, you know? And that's
0: what I get from this. Yeah, um, you know, I loved your metaphor about the building and redoing the building, and it just triggered in my head a, another metaphor, so I'll offer that, and then, uh, okay. then we can move on. Um, you know, if you break your leg out in the woods, and uh, you're living in the middle of nowhere, and there are no doctors and no hospitals, and the thing just heals on its own, but heals in a way where it's crooked and it makes it very difficult for you to walk. And you know, you do your best, you get around, but then you uh, find yourself in a different set of circumstances where there are doctors and hospitals and someone looks at that leg and says, wow, that's a real problem. There is no way to bring that leg back into alignment and correction gradually or slowly. It requires re breaking it and resetting it in order to get it correct. Um, but you don't do that on your own because it would be too painful. You let the Holy Spirit do it if it's a relationship, just like you let a surgeon do it under anesthesia if, if it's a doctor. It's not a perfect metaphor, but I think the idea here is that um, we are broken. You know, we are broken in ways far more profound than the vast majority of us even recognize because we've been living with, um, with the misery and suffering that comes from not knowing what we are for so long. So uh, the Holy Spirit resets our relationships. Um, maybe a tech metaphor is even better. You know, you push the restart button and the whole thing shuts down. Uh, and maybe you lose the work that you were working on, but that's okay because that work was going in the wrong direction anyway, and you're going to start all over. Um, But that's what the paragraph is is talking about. That was good.
1: And what's funny that you mentioned broken bones that have healed wrong and are now crooked, I have one. You don't know this because we've never met, (laughs) okay? But (laughs) um, if I... I could send you a couple of pictures where you can see it. It's my left arm. Huh. And, uh, yeah, it broke when I was two years old and I was not properly supervised. That's how it broke in the first place. I jumped off a bunk bed. I thought I could fly.
0: <laughs>
1: I really did I was, I was, and I wanted to, I wanted to fly. Um, but I remember the whole way down. Time slowed down and I remember landing in the dust bunnies under the, the bottom bunk. But anyway, so I did. I was taken to the hospital and it was set and I was put into a cast and all that stuff. Um, but I was allowed to play and, and I was too. and I had a sling on and I didn't like the sling. It pinched my neck. So I was playing and sliding down the steps and, and dragging the cast behind me. I was allowed to do this uh, for some reason. Wow. And the, cra- the cast cracked and I was like, "Oh, look! I can move my arm!" And here I am, moving my arm, playing with the cast, not knowing that it was shifting my bone. And that's the way it healed. I was not taken to have it recast, and um. so it's crooked. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, huh? Yeah, it sucks. But maybe at some point, I might be a little too old. But maybe at some point, I can get that fixed. Um,
0: I want I, to read I, if that. That's on after you will. Yeah, let's yeah. Uh, read paragraph okay. six, because that was your goal for today.
1: <laughs> that was my goal, and it's pretty self-explanatory, and then we can wrap things up. So here sure. we go. This is the time for faith, and I emphasize faith, because faith is in italics. You let this goal be set for you. That was an act sure. of faith. Do not abandon faith now that the rewards of faith are being introduced. If you believe the Holy Spirit was there to accept the relationship, why would you now not still believe that he is there to purify what he has taken under his guidance? Have faith in your brother in what but seems to be a trying time. The goal is set. I repeat, the goal is set. And your relationship has sanity as its purpose. For now you find yourself in an insane relationship, recognized as such in the light of its goal. And so there it is. Don't give up. It might be turbulent. Things are going to change. It might be frightening. But if you do this, know that on some level the transformation is already complete. Your understanding of it is already complete. The holiness is already there. It's just a matter of you walking through kind of like a sandstorm until you can meet up with that right perception. And recognize that the relationship is now carrying its original goal not the one the ego imposed on it i think i can leave it at that,
0: that yeah, i feel pretty it's, complete it's pretty straightforward. i agree um you know that last line sort of wraps up all six paragraphs for now you find yourself in an insane relationship recognized as such in the light of its goal it's kind of what you were talking about before it's it's like waking up from that alcoholic stupor in the party where you did all the crazy stuff and you look around and your house has been trashed and you go, okay, this, this no longer fits. You're seeing the relationship that you had clearly for the first time because you've set the goal differently. Um, mm-hmm. And he, this is the time for faith. I also like the word trust. Um, to me, faith has some religious connotations that are unfortunate. It kind of implies yes. believing even though it's not true, um, like which is hope. not how the Course is using it. Um, yeah, that's I
1: false I'd stay away from that, too.
0: Me, too. Me, too. So I think mm-hmm. trust is a better word. It's like, hey, you made the decision. Trust that you gave it to the Holy Spirit who knows you and loves you perfectly. Why wouldn't he, given that he's accepted this from you, why wouldn't he then take you through it in the best way possible? we have to trust. Absolutely.
1: This is so timely, because with everything yeah, we've is. been talking about, as I said, uh, we're we're at a point where um, we're going through all these shifts, and some relationships might not be sustainable. So uh, if anybody wants to go and check out things from an astrological point of view, since I brought it up so many times in this segment... You can go to astrologyzone.com. It's run by Susan Miller, who is scary accurate as an astrologer. And um, that will tell you kind of what to expect, you know, which planets to affect which part of your life. Uh, Relationships are going to come up because there is an eclipse, you know, Um, and a new moon. Things are going to start to reveal themselves. And so I hope that everybody... uh, does have trust in the process. And even though you might be having a hard time now or will be in the next couple of months, just trust that it's it's all breaking down to be put back together in a way that supports you the way you're meant to be supported and not the way we've been trying to hold on to things. Okay? Any last all right. thoughts, <laughs> I did not I pick think... a prayer up for today.
0: I'm realizing no. now. Well, um... That is very odd of me. I will <laughs> flip open the book, and how about I just read whatever I come to?
1: Yeah, follow your intuition.
0: All right, so I just opened to um, lesson 227. For those who don't know, from lesson 220 on, each lesson is um, a paragraph, and another paragraph, that's a prayer. So this is the prayer from Lesson 227. This is my holy instant of release. How perfect. We started with the holy instant. We're ending with the holy instant. Father, it is today that I am free because my will is yours. I thought to make another will, yet nothing that I thought apart from you exists. And I am free because I was mistaken and did not affect my own reality at all by my illusions. Now I give them up and lay them down before the feet of truth to be removed forever from my mind. This is my holy instant of release. Father, I know my will is one with yours. Amen. Did did
1: did you just turn to that randomly?
0: Yeah. Amen yep. indeed. <laughs> Amen. My goodness.
1: Okay. Let me get over my shock. I'm talking to Dr. Robert Rosenblum.
0: I should not be shocked. (laughs) Thank you, Dr. Bob, for being here. What's that? The plan is not of us. We put it in his hands, and this is what we get. (laughs) This is what we. This is what happens. Miracle. Yes.
1: Thank you, Dr. Bob, for being here once again and sharing your exquisite wisdom with all of us.
0: Thank you, Char. Blessings.
1: Blessings to you, and I will meet you back here next month.
0: Sounds good.
1: Okay. Take care now. All right, everyone. That is our show for today. Until next time, God bless and be at peace.